This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 435, and today we are talking about books being released on October 24th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello. <laughs> hey, Liberty. How are you doing, buddy? Well, right now I just sound like, like Lauren Bacall as a Muppet which is an improvement. <laughs> I was very sad last week because I couldn't record. I sounded like bees in a blender underwater. Oh my God. And I and I, I cried because I hate missing shows. It was only the fourth time in like 435 episodes. And I just love doing this show. And yeah. I felt bad because there was no show for anybody. And I'm very sorry about that. But I do have COVID again. Well, I just tested negative yesterday. So... Fingers crossed that I test negative again tomorrow when I check. Double check. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, everyone was so nice and everybody reached out and everyone was great. But yeah, definitely better than last time. Last time, like, we all thought I was going to die. This time, I only wished that I would <laughs> occasionally. Oh, buddy. <laughs> but oh. I'm getting better. Yeah, that's it's very, it's very dramatic, you know, like, <laughs> when you don't feel good, it's fine, you know. But still, yeah. Yeah, everyone, I mean, there are, you know, the elephant in the room, there's just like, things going on globally, but then also people have things going on personally, and there's just so much. And I keep telling my therapist that I just need things to stop happening for a bit, just really, in, just ever to stop, yeah. just slow down. And I know a lot of other people are feeling this way. So I hope that everyone in taking care of each other, that you are also finding ways to be gentle and kind with yourselves, because there's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot right now. Yeah. And as we go into this colder weather, more people are going to be inside. So please take care because whew, COVID is back. Yeah. They never went away, but the levels are back up again. I had, yeah. I counted at least 50 people that messaged or commented on my posts that said that they had it at the same time, you know. Oh my gosh. And it's just like, it's so hard. It's so hard. Cause like, you know, you want to go out and be social and see people, you know, and it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. We, we recently went to um, the Half Moon Bay Art and Pumpkin Festival, and we got to take a picture with the world record-breaking largest pumpkin. Which is but amazing. They just, <laughs> but there were just so many people that even outdoors, we were just masked up. Yeah. Just masked up. Yeah. Yeah. I just want everyone to be safe and healthy. But enough about sad things. We're going to talk about enough of that in our books. Um, <laughs> but let's see how, how long we have. Let's talk a little bit more about that pumpkin. How big was that pumpkin? 
Oh my gosh, the pumpkin was, let's see, 2,479 pounds or something like that. And the grower who grew the pumpkin is actually, so I'm in California, I'm in the San Francisco Bay area and the Half Moon Bay, Half Moon Bay is about 45 minutes from me out on the coast. And so the pumpkin was actually grown, I think, in Missouri. And the grower, he is a horticulture professor at a community college there. And he spent something like $15,000 in growing this pumpkin. He won $30,000. Oh, well, there you go. But he like grew, like he spent $15,000 in resources in growing this pumpkin and then had to like get it I guess, I don't know, on a pallet or you, I think you (laughs) grow it. You grow it on a pallet. Yeah, that seems to make sense. And then, like, like you move it to, like, he moves it to, like, the flatbed truck or whatever to drive it 35 hours out <laughs> to, because wow. uh, you don't want to ruin it, so you want to take it slow. Yeah. You can't put it, like, in the belly of the plane, like, when you fly. <laughs> I don't know how the landing would do. I don't know how the landing would do. So Emotional support pumpkin. <laughs> Get the seat next to you. Yeah. And so it was really fascinating because, like, everyone is there to see the pumpkin. Like, let me see the pumpkin. And so they, of course, would charge to take pictures of it. And that's how this uh, festival, one of the ways they make money. And so they had it all blocked off by hay bales Mm -hmm. and everything. So you could not see it until you were actually taking a picture with it. Amazing. And so we posted, like I posted a picture on our Instagram. It's definitely going on our holiday cards. Like (laughs) incredible, incredible. Yeah, massive. Before we talk some more about it, I'm going to stop you right there for a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. I feel like we just started talking, but the little thing was flashing saying like, hey, it's ad time. So. Hey, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm sorry I took cut you off no, about the, the pumpkin. It was miraculous. The The photo is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happens to it after. I'm going to assume that he takes the seeds and then he could sell the seeds for other people who oh. want to grow large pumpkins yeah. or he might use like if he does it again next year he might use the same seeds maybe i don't know i don't know anything about this like 
would the seeds from a giant pumpkin grow other giant pumpkins? Or did he just take such good care of it that that's why it got that big? Like, Well, there was like a fact sheet. And it does, he did grow this pumpkin from a seed from a previous giant pumpkin. Oh, so it runs in the family. That he maybe then cross-pollinated or something. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. With a blue whale. (laughs) (laughs) Pumpkin science. I don't know. Pumpkin spice science. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to move away from pumpkins now and talk about books. And starting with the reminder that autumn is here, which means it's time to curl up with a great read and get cozy. Whatever your version of cozy looks like, whether it's with a giant pumpkin or, you know, not... Um, and whether you like romance, creepy reads, modern classics, or escapist reads, TBR can help you find the perfect books for your fall reading with options curated to your specific reading tastes. Visit mytbr.co to find out more and sign up. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. All right. So books. Hooray, books. Surprising no one, because I know this was one of the most anticipated releases of the year, My first pick for today is Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward. Uh, I was really surprised not to see this on the National Book Award list for fiction. I thought it was like an automatic. But she has won twice already. And while I'm sure that doesn't matter, like in the back of my mind, you know, I wonder if like you're a judge and you have all these books and you can't make a decision and maybe you're thinking like, well, she's already won twice. Like, I don't know, but I was really surprised it was not there. Uh, she's won twice. As I said, uh, she's, she's written amazing books, including Salvage the Bones, Sing, Unburied Sing, Men We Reaped. This is a historical fiction novel. This is her first foray into historical fiction. It's about a niece who lives on a plantation. She is an enslaved person. Uh, She lives there with her mother. She was born an enslaved person. Her sire is their master. Uh, And as Anise grows up, her mother teaches her to fight at night. She wakes her up in the dead of night and brings her out to the forest and makes her fight with staff and tells her stories that her grandmother was a warrior who grew up across the ocean fighting with other women and killing elephants and serving a king uh, before she was kidnapped and brought to the United States. And as Anise grows up, she works in the house with her mother. And as she grows up, her sire turns his attentions away from her mother and to her. And because of this, things happen. Her mother is sold, and shortly after... Anise is also sold. She is sold to a man who brings her and many other enslaved people on a walk to New Orleans. It takes them many months. You know, it's horrifying and awful. And they end up uh, being purchased and brought to a sugar plantation. In her walks, Anise is visited by a spirit. The spirit tells her stories of her mother. She kind of resembles her mother, but she's also like a a storm and she's all these other things. Um, She tells any stories of her grandmother and, you know, Anise, you know, repeats these stories to herself amid all the horrors. And she also finds joy. She loves the bees in the forest at night um, around where she hides her staffs. Uh, She loves her mother. She loves her friend. She refuses to give up her humanity 
and refuses to stop looking for joy. This is a book about grief. Uh, Jasmine Ward, as you may have read, she wrote about it in Vanity Fair a few years ago. She lost her husband suddenly um, in 2020. And she talked about, you know, what that grief was like. And this, she, this is like the story also of why Anise continues amid all that grief. And a lot of times, you know, we are in this position where we receive books in advance. And what you don't see when you buy a finished copy is they often come with a letter from the editor or the publisher, you know, and they say something like, you know, um, you know, this is the first time I've ever read a horror book that made me, you know, sleep with the lights on, or this book is, this is why you want to, you know, pick up this book and recommend it. And, you know, and sometimes they have letters from the authors and these are things that you don't see in the finished things. And so there was a quote here from Jasmine Ward um, in the front of this book that I just wanted to read because I think it, it's just so beautiful and it really explains, you know, her, her process in, in writing this and, and the, her thinking behind it. It took, it took years and multiple drafts to understand how Anise and enslaved people might have retained their sense of self, their sense of hope, in a time and place that attempted to negate both day in and out. It took years to figure out how to look straight at her life and relay the harshness and terror of her days, but also to recognize her resistance, her tenderness, her imagination, her belief in who she is and what she is capable of, which she retains even through the deepest darkness. This book is amazing. It's very hard to read, but it's important that these stories keep being told in a time like no other in the last several decades where, you know, black history and black voices are being banned and censored and erased continuously. Uh, we have to keep fighting against that. I want to give the content warnings. Just this is a book about enslaved people. There's so many terrible, heartbreaking things. So really all the content warnings, including graphic depictions of sexual assault, torture, and the death of animals and humans. This is Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward. Wow, that book sounds so incredibly powerful. It is. It really is. Um, she's just, I mean, she's just, I, I don't think she can write a bad book, you know, <laughs> but, but not only does she not write bad books, I mean, they're just, each one is more amazing than the last. <sighs> yeah. It's a lot, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like a lot. So for my first pick today, I have a book that is super relevant right now. It's called Microactivism, How You Can Make a Difference in the World Without a Bullhorn by Umkari Williams with a foreword by Layla F. Saad, who did Me and White Supremacy, and illustrations by Octavia Mingerink, which is perhaps the coolest name I have ever heard or said in my life. Is it better than Coffin Daffer? Ooh, mm, tied. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all you listeners out there, uh, the other day when I had a fever, I texted Patricia and told her I was changing my last name to Coffin Daffer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mingerink. <laughs> it's pretty great, though. Mingerink. Sounds like bangerang. Like, just like, yeah. I don't know. Way to tug on my nostalgia. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So, anyway, microactivism. I, like many of you listeners, 
have read an increasing amount of books about various forms of activism and systems of oppression in the last few years. Like I said, I know I'm not alone in this. There is a growing, robust library of books on different types of activism, and I'm going to be really real with you all right now. I'm pretty overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of oppression, the varieties of oppression, and the sheer number of things that need to be done or ways that people can show up to fight. I become immobilized from trying to make a decision about what to do uh, because I am one person and there is just so much. I am so excited that this book is out in the world today and available because it has helped me take steps towards action. The first main idea of this book is narrowing your focus because you can't do everything. You just can't. None of us can. Once we decide what our thing is going to be for us as individuals, what that fight is you're going to fight, then the book encourages you to take small, consistent, sustainable actions. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And actually, my friend Tika, who used to write for Book Riot, mentioned the other day on one of my Instagram posts, instead of the marathon sprint, it is a relay, right? We are working together and everyone has to do their part. This mess wasn't made overnight, and it's not going to be fixed overnight. The author has created four activist archetypes to help readers figure out what kinds of activism they would thrive participating in. Are you someone who likes to work in the background or run the show? Are you maybe the headliner making the speeches? Williams makes it clear that not everyone is a headliner, and the key point is that everyone can't a headliner. We need all types of folks to go up against oppression, and not everyone can be the Beyonce of the rally, nor should everyone be. As the author says, a lot of activism isn't glamorous, and it shouldn't be. There is, I'm definitely feeling this, like there's an overwhelming amount of pressure for each of us to create our own unique thing and be the loudest out there. And I blame American individualism and also the internet. What needs to be done is the opposite. Activism needs to be done in community because that is how it moves the needle. And this book not only has a chapter on finding community, but also weaves the thread of community throughout the entire book. One of the things I enjoy about this book is that there are short interviews with activists around the world interspersed throughout the chapters. They talk about what their specific activist focus is, what keeps them going, and how they practice self-care. Each chapter also includes reflection questions and key takeaways. I also absolutely need to mention the fantastic illustrations that help tie the messages together while also adding to the impact of the writing. I love this book. It's one that I'm going to have to order myself a finished copy of, and I hope you do too. It's Microactivism, How You Can Make a Difference in the World Without a Bullhorn by Umkari Williams with a foreword by Layla F. Saad and illustrations by Octavia Mingerink. All right. I'm going to tell you about my next book. These are going to be some shorter recommendations because 
I'm not at my best, but thanks for hanging in there with me, Patricia. Of course. <laughs> uh, my next pick for today is The Comfort of Crows, A Backyard Year by Margaret Renkel. Renkel is the author of Last Migrations and Graceland at Last. I truly believe she is a worthy contemporary of Annie Dillard. She writes incredible nature writing observations. Like so many of us, when the pandemic started, you know, she turned to nature and what was around her during the quarantine. And Renkel kept and wrote a 52-week study of her backyard. The joy and wonder that continued in the midst of everything going on and all the sadness and and anxiety um, and how nature just kind of did its thing anyway and how things in her backyard the crows and the plants and and all these things were also similar to the lives of humans like the comings and goings of children were similar to you know her children you know coming home and and going back off to school like I said, Wrinkle is an excellent writer. She makes beautiful observations. And nature has been proven to lower your heart rate and do other great things for your mental health. So, you know, try and get outside. I try and sit at least 10 minutes every day and look outside if I can't, like, get outside. And it's amazing. Like, if you just sit still, what happens? I see little moles run across my backyard I see a bird that maybe I haven't seen before, or maybe a bird, you know, comes and does something funny, like shows up with a mouthful of sticks and like stares right at me, or, you know, tries to pull dryer lint, you know, out of the vent before I've cleaned the trap on the outside of the house. I do clean the trap though, like, but they still do that. You know, you just like, you don't realize what you're like not seeing, you know, and well, I mean, that's true of anything. I do have a fever. I'm not probably making all the words correctly, but um, it's just amazing what you can see, I guess is what I wanted to say uh, when you look outside for a little while. Anyway, this is a great book. It's The Comfort of Crows, A Backyard Year by Margaret Wrinkle. Yes, and I want to add to that, if you are in a super urban area and can't get outside in nature, uh, can I tell you about houseplants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about houseplants right now, but uh, bringing nature, you know, I'm in Oakland, bringing nature indoors has been a balm to my soul. Yeah, there are also a lot of great resources uh, that you can find for plants that are pet safe. Oh, totally. So for my next pick, I have all nonfiction today. That's very exciting for me. Ooh. I have It's Not You, It's Capitalism, Why It's Time to Break Up and How to Move On by Malaika Jabali with illustration and design by Kayla E. This book is a really great primer on how capitalism hurts us all and is also a fantastic introduction to socialism. We've been taught, especially in the United States, that socialism is a big, scary thing, but it's really not. In fact, my two favorite programs in the United States are socialist programs, the Postal Service and the Public Library System. If you like either the Postal Service or the Public Library System, then there is probably some part of you that is open to learning about socialism. Also, there has been a lot of workers' union action this year, and surprise, socialism. 
The overarching metaphor in this book is of capitalism as a toxic romantic partner who constantly puts you down and gaslights you and is just using you. The author is unmasking this toxic person and making it clear that they're just not that into you and that there is a way healthier and supportive option available. While the metaphor isn't necessarily my vibe, it does serve to make the content so much more accessible and relatable. This book is written in a way that clarifies how capitalism is at play right now in my own life and not just some nebulous thing that I have nothing to do with. One of the things I really like about this book is the introduction to so many people fighting against capitalism and tons of quotes from anti-capitalists, past and present, like W.E.B. Du Bois, Ella Baker, Evo Morales, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Kathleen Cleaver. The book repeatedly makes it clear that class struggle cannot be separated from racial equity. I already knew this theoretically, but it's been so helpful to learn about it in more detail to better and deepen my understanding of all the interconnections. The author teaches readers about how capitalism teaches us that if we just work harder, hustle more, sacrifice more, etc., we will get ahead. And that is actually rarely the case because the system is designed to keep people in the middle and lower class in both of those classes. Capitalism depends on folks' inability to move upward. Sure, there are definitely anecdotes of people who have done so, some people here and there, but individuals don't necessarily, like moving upward doesn't necessarily help the nation as a whole. I know I've used the words capitalism and socialism a lot already, and you might be wondering, well, what exactly are they? This book gives really clear definitions and spends most of the pages giving examples of these frameworks in action. After reading this book, I can confidently say, yes, I know what these things are and some of the ways they affect me and my communities. Finally, I have to mention that this book is packed with illustrations and infographics and graphs and charts and quotes that make this information very present and very relatable to readers. I want to note I have not listened to this on audio, so I do not know if the audiobook version includes any kind of image descriptions for this image-heavy book. This book is really great, and I highly recommend it. Again, the title is It's Not You, It's Capitalism, Why It's Time to Break Up and How to Move On by Malaika Jabali with illustration and design by Kayla E. Okay, those are books that we have read and enjoyed. Now we're going to talk about a few more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. I'm kicking it off with Nifando by Monica Ojeda and translated by Sarah Booker. Ojeda is an author from Ecuador. Her novel Jawbone was a finalist for the NBA in translated literature, I think last year, possibly the year before, maybe last year, I can't remember. Jawbone was the one I talked about on the show where I was like, I loved this book. What the hell is wrong with me? It's so messed up. Um, I love those books. Um, this is a new work of horror about six artists living in an apartment in Barcelona. 
They are brought together by a controversial video game called Nefando. Nefando supposedly helps people feel better. It relieves people of their trauma, but at the same time, it may also be encouraging bad behavior and sociopathy. Nefando is a virtual world where nothing is forbidden. You can do anything you want in this virtual world, but what effect is that going to have on the players in the real world? Sounds really cool and ominous. It is called Nefando by Monica Ojeda and translated by Sarah Booker. And before Patricia tells us about her next pick, we're going to hear from another sponsor. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, what you got? I got Our Secret Society, Molly Moon and the Glamour, Money, and Power Behind the Civil Rights Movement by Tanisha Ford. This book is out today. I have not yet read it. It's going to seem like a huge contrast to the anti-capitalist book I just talked about. This is a deep historical dive that takes place in the U.S. from the 1930s to the 1960s, and it is focused on Molly Moon. Molly Moon was the founder and president of the National Urban League Guild, which was a fundraising arm of the National Urban League. Her husband, Henry Lee Moon, was the public relations director of the NAACP. Together, they were one of the most influential couples of that period. One of the things about the civil rights movement of that time that is rarely talked about is the fundraising that needed to happen. The galas, the cabarets, the luncheons, etc. that were attended by working class and middle class Black families, as well as philanthropists, like major philanthropists, such as Winthrop Rockefeller. Molly Moon hosted salons that people such as Lorraine Hansberry and Langston Hughes attended. She organized mutual aid programs and she raised millions of dollars for activists fighting for racial equality and economic justice. The author explores Moon's start in Jim Crow, Mississippi, to her eventual notoriety in Harlem and Manhattan. It said that Molly Moon was involved in larger-than-life antics, and the author did extensive research, including interviews of dozens of folks, including Moon's daughter. 
I am really looking forward to seeing how the author brings Molly Moon to life. This is Our Secret Society, Molly Moon, and the Glamour, Money, and Power Behind the Civil Rights Movement by Tanisha Ford, and it is out today. All right, and my other pick for today is Most Delicious Poison, The Story of Nature's Toxins from Spices to Vices by Noah Whiteman. I read a lot of books about poison. That's a sentence that's going to be played back and called Exhibit A someday. But I do. I love the book, The Poisoner's Handbook, Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in Jazz Age New York by Deborah Bloom. That kicked off my fascination with poisons, but I still have never read anything quite as amazing as that book. And it's it's just incredible. And this book talks about poisons. How did we learn what was safe and what was poisonous? Uh, how did we figure out what poisons, what toxins could be used for good purposes, for medicine, for helping people, you know, and how did we decide what are bad? How did we learn about mushrooms? Mushrooms are like a source of fascination with me because like I always imagine, you know, like I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Like you do not want me to be the person out there gathering mushrooms. Like if I lived hundreds of years ago, like I am not that person, you know, and, and people just eat mush and I'm constantly like, it's amazing. People go foraging for mushrooms and they know all these things. And it's just like really amazing to me, you know, and, and I know like a little bit about this, you know, we learned by watching like what the animals eat and, you know, process of elimination, which was bad for some people, you know, but it just never fails to fascinate me. I'm also, you know, wildly interested in poisons and mushrooms because there was the author, Nicholas Evans, who passed away last year. He was the author of The Horse Whisperer, which was this huge, huge success, like on the New York Times bestseller list for years. And he wrote a succession of books very quickly that were all like huge bestsellers. And then he disappeared. And the reason was because he and his family accidentally ingested some poisonous mushrooms that, that they had picked. Um, and, and he was very ill after that for a long time. Uh, and I just, you know, have always thought that was such a heartbreaking story. I, I seem to have gone off on like a different mushroom tangent now anyway. But uh, let me bring it back to this. Uh, this one is called Most Delicious Poison, The Story of Nature's Toxins from Spices to Vices by Noah Whiteman. Did I actually say any words out loud? I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of mushroom talk. Well, and, like, mushroom is very relevant, especially, like, toxic mushrooms. Because, like, there's a whole psychedelics thing happening in California and a study sure. and psychedelics for mental health and, like, all the things. So I'm hearing a lot about mushrooms lately. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely one of, like, the most popular subjects in books the last year or so and in horror there's been just like this huge surge in mushroom stuff. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So for my last pick, I have The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, An Asteroid, Extinction, and the Beginning of Our World by Riley Black. This is out today in paperback. I know I talked about it when it came out and I still have not read it yet, but I really want to... Riley Black is a super cool paleontologist, and while I always have dinosaurs on my brain, I got to tour the Museum of Paleontology at my day job recently, so I have an extra amount of dino fever right now. 
I don't care how old I am. I will always think dinosaurs are rad. I thought you were going to say I have an extra amount of dinosaur bones in my house now that I swiped. <laughs> I was I just saw an article on National Geographic about like a dinosaur fossil poaching ring that people got caught. I don't know. I think I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. It was in Utah. I didn't do it. So it wasn't you. Wasn't me. Okay. Certainly wasn't me. Uh, so 66 million years ago, a meteor hit the earth and wiped out all the non-avian dinosaurs, we are told, and we are very sad about that. But because of that, it also made space and conditions for evolution to do a bunch of amazing different things that weren't possible in the millions and millions of years prior. I'm excited about this book because, yes, dinosaurs, but also the author looks at that time through a lens of hope, and I think that is pretty cool. This lush narrative paints us a picture of how dinosaurs walked so that humans can doom scroll, argue on the internet, I don't know, read books, perhaps, whatever it is we do. It is out today in paperback. It's The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, An Asteroid, Extinction, and the Beginning of Our World by Riley Black. All right. And some other books that are out in paperback today. It's a banner day for paperbacks. Boy, a selection. I'm going to tell you about a few of them, starting with Fatty Fatty Boom Boom, a memoir of food, fat, and family by Rabia Chowdhury. I love nonfiction because they tell you right there like what the book is about in the title. Um, but Chowdhury is the Pakistani-American attorney, author, and podcast host, who you may know from her role on the podcast Serial, which seems to have kicked off the true crime phase craze of the last century. Also out today, Catching the Light by Joy Harjo is a memoir and writing examination from Harjo, who is Muscogee Creek Nation and the 23rd Poet Laureate of the United States. White Cat, Black Dog Stories by Kelly Link with illustrations by Sean Tan. This one came out so fast. I feel like it hasn't even been six months. I did, forgot to look it up, but you know that I love Kelly Link. She is the queen of the speculative scene. She has been nominated for a Pulitzer for her work before, and her book coming out next year, her debut novel, The Book of Love, is so good and so big. And, you know, I have a comparison for it. Of course, you know, everything is its own individual thing. But if I had to try and, and describe it, it's like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell meets Skippy Dies. And maybe that makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But it's amazing. It'll be out in February. People Person by Candace Carty-Williams. Carty-Williams is the author of Queenie. This one is a family drama about a woman who connects with her half-siblings after her father dies. This one is really good. I was surprised. I didn't see more people reading it last year. Uh, more mentions of it. The Revolutionary, Samuel Adams by Stacey Schiff. Schiff is a Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Cleopatra, The Witches, Vera. This is about one of the lesser-known founding fathers. I mean, people know that he's a founding father, but not as much has been known about him, except for the fact that he's a beer. You know, everybody knows Sam Adams, the beer. And it's fascinating. The Song of the Cell, an exploration, exploration of medicine and the new human by Siddhartha Mukherjee. He is the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of The Emperor of All Maladies. Lots of Pulitzer people getting tossed around today. 
This is about how we discovered cells. The collective way, but actually the scientists that discovered cells, I did not discover cells. Um, and how it changed medicine and the treatment and just fascinating. All of his books are just incredible. And also today, a book riot favorite, Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. This is the first in a series about a socially awkward fairy expert who travels to a Scandinavian country for her research so she can write, there you have it, Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. And also while she's there, her handsome academic rival shows up. And you know what happens in books when those things kind of happen. So those are books out in paperback today. Those are books that we have read. Patricia, what are you going to read next? I have, I've been DNFing a lot of books lately. So I, I'm going to try to read these books. Let's see. A Recipe for More, Ingredients for a Life of Abundance and Ease by Sarah Elise. I have also picked up How We Do It, Black Writers on Craft, Practice, and Skill, edited by Jericho Brown. And I'm also going to read The Dead Cat Tale Assassins by P. J. Lee Clark out March 12th. And this has moved to the top of the list because Liberty, you texted me and you're like, oh my gosh, this book. So now I just, I have to move it to the top of my list. Liberty said so. Yep. Yep. What was I going to... Oh, well, first thing, uh, there is a quote from Jericho Brown at the front of Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward. We're, like, bringing it all back around. But yes, mm. The Dead Cat Tail Assassins by P. Jelly Clark. One of my favorite new authors. I mean, everything he writes is incredible. You know, Master of Gin and the story and the, the novella. And I am so angry that I've read this now because I want to be able to read it again for the first time. It comes out in March and... It's so, so, so fun. It's only like 200, 200 pages long. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. like so great. Um, yeah, it's hit the top of my list for my favorite book of 2024, which usually I have found by the middle of the summer of the year before. So a little late this year, but so good. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, what else are you reading now? Oh, oh, I uh, am. <laughs> I saw in an author's social media that they had a copy of the new Sarah Langan like in the background which I have been dying to read uh Langan wrote Good Neighbors which I was obsessed with a few years ago so I wrote to the publisher and was like I see that there are galleys and can I have one and they were like oh, there aren't galleys yet uh they just have a bound manuscript and I was like okay I'll take that please <laughs> <laughs> and they sent it to me uh and then I got COVID so I haven't been able to read it uh, so I'm going to read that. And I also just got, that one comes out uh, in April. And I just got Thirsty by Jas Hammonds, which comes out in May. Uh, Hammonds wrote We Deserve Monuments, which is like the best YA novel of last year. Um, if you haven't read it, pick it up. And I can only imagine this one's going to be equally as amazing. So there you have it. Uh, that's it for us today. Visit mytbr.co to find out more. And sign up. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Patricia, where can people go to see your pumpkin photo? Instagram. Definitely mostly on Instagram right now. I am at the info file, as in the lover of information. All right. And you can find me on Instagram 
as well at Brandon Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your giant pumpkins and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading!